Welcome to The Real Journey Show. On this podcast, you can expect guests of all backgrounds and professions to share a real journey they have experienced in this thing called life. From origin to current, the rocky ups and downs in the middle, and what is yet to come. The journeys of each guest will vary, but there is one thing that will remain constant. The listeners will be reminded that life experiences have a compelling way of connecting us, inspiring us, and empowering us to stay real. I am Tara Martin, your host of The Real Journey Show. Welcome back to The Real Journey Show. We are super excited you decided to tune in today. We have a very special guest. Um, she is, we are now international. I think we might be international already on Real Journey Show, but we are definitely international now because this guest is over in Canada. She works at a French immersion school, first grade, and is just an outstanding educator that I respect tremendously. I actually met this special guest in iMOOC. Um, George Kuros had a big group um that had a chat we were reading the innovators mindset we got together we learned from each other and so i met this special guest a few years ago in that session and then we became fast friends now we've gotten to meet face to face and she's on my show today so i'm super excited to have a nick roke with us today and nick tell us a little bit about what you do and say that beautiful name of your school so i don't butcher it <laughs> <laughs> Well, hi, Tara. Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's a real honor. Um, yeah, like you said, I am from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, and I work at a French immersion and English school. It's Ecaz Sage Creek School, and it is actually, I, I don't know how long I can keep saying that it's a brand new school. This is our fourth year that uh, we've been in business, so uh, I still consider it a brand new school, but yeah, that's, that's what I do. I think that's a brand new school and it's very innovative there too. I remember seeing all the pictures and um, yeah, I, I think that school was beginning when we first met in iMOOC. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the my first year when the school opened here, that was the year that we were host, we were helping George host together. So I think we were doing the chats and stuff that year together. So I don't think that it was the very first round of iMOOC, but it was one of the rounds anyway. Yes, when you came on with Katie and I on the chat. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, that was awesome. So Nick, I am super pumped to have you on the show. And I know you're a big fan of all things real. And I love that. I love that about your blog post. I love that about the content that you put out there into the world. And so I'm hoping today that with our listeners, we can just share a real journey. And uh, if you're a first time listener, real is an acronym. It stands for being relatable exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. And Anik is like, she lives and breathes realness every day. I love it about her. So I'm hoping that you can share just any journey or several journeys. You, you have a cool life. So I think there's so much we can talk about, but I'll let you lead the way that maybe something that's shaped you into the person you are today, a new habit. Um, it could be anything honestly, personally or professionally? So I think that, uh, like I mentioned, with a brand new school that this is our fourth year running, um, if I go back to that very first year, that was, I don't want to, well, I don't want to say a turning point, but kind of, 
um, it was a very challenging year. And I did write about it, but I, it was, it was hard because I was in it. So it was a super incredible experience because I got to be a part of a brand new school and all that goes along with it. Um, and just even the postings when we applied to come to this school was very, um, it was kind of scary actually to look at the posting and be like, am I worthy of this? Do you think that I, would I be able to fit in here? Um, because they were opening up and, and um, planning for an innovative school. And so I got chosen. It was incredible. I felt amazing. And then the school year started and it was like, holy moly, this is a lot of work. And it is just the hours we were putting in, the stress, the expectations that we were putting upon ourselves to make this school all that we knew that it could be was uh, a huge challenge. And not only that, but that year, I just so happened to move houses and the new house that we were building wasn't ready yet. So we had to move in with my parents for a month, me and my four boys and my husband. Uh, and that year, what else happened that year? It was it, like, I guess I had changed schools. So I was not with the same staff, changed schools to a brand new school, moving. There was a lot of stress in the hours. There was iMOOC. I was helping with iMOOC, which was another layer, right? And I remember my mom telling me like, I, I don't know how you do it. You're working like crazy. And, and she was right. I was. And that year was a major wake up call for me because by the end of the school year, I got sick and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And my legs started going numb. And then a few weeks later it went into my face and I thought that I had MS and there was all these tests that we did. And, um, not long after that, I have to go for mammograms regularly because my mom had breast cancer from an early age. And from my first mammogram, they found something. I had to go for a biopsy. So I thought I had MS and maybe breast cancer. And in the end, it all turned out okay. I'm, I was healthy. I kind of felt guilty for overcoming all of this. But I also knew that it was just a way that my body was telling me, Anik, there is way too much stress going on right now in your life and you need to figure out a way to manage this better. So that first year, as amazing as it was, I learned so much about myself in that year just to recover, bounce back, take better care of myself in order to be all that I can be for everybody that I serve and for myself, I guess. So that's so beneficial. And I, I hate that as humans, I feel like a lot of times we have to get to that end of the rope before we tie the knot, like we just don't understand how, like you said, you're in it. So you don't even really co comprehend all that you're doing until someone on the outside is like, whoa, you know, you need to be careful. And then our body starts breaking down. You're like, oh, okay, maybe I should listen to this right? because, you know, I'm not going to live forever. And so I think that's just, it's such a powerful message, honestly, for all of us. Because you can give a lot and, and be amazing, but you can give too much and you're not going to be there for the people that you love and care about. And so where do we draw the line? How do we know when to tie the knot and to realize that we have to find some sort of balance? And I know that that sounds so frustrating and a lot of people are like, no, there's no such thing. And there may not be really a such thing. I've not yet found it. But um, I do think at some point we have to realize 
what are those things that fuel us and keep us going? And I feel like, I mean, you, you mentioned you have four boys and a husband, you're busy mama and two are twins. Hey, that's a journey in and of itself. You can tell us a little bit about that. Sure is. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You, yeah, you really want me to. Okay. Um, I would love that. Yeah. Who gets uh, to have twins? Not many people. (laughs) Kind of crazy, right? And when, when my husband and I got married, um, he wanted two kids. I wanted three. And so the deal that we came up with was if we have two same sex, then we will go for a third. So once we had had two boys, we were like, well, he, he still would have rather not, but I was like, no, you know what? This is the deal. And I'm going to, I want my third. So let's do this. And I still remember it was Valentine's Day when we went for an early ultrasound because I was already showing like crazy and we were very worried about twins. And that's when we found out we were carrying twins. And I'm not going to lie, like I kind of broke down a little bit because that was a lot for me to like grieve the life that I had planned for myself, right? Like now I'm going to go from two to four and like not just two to four, but to put this into perspective, when my twins were born, my oldest was four. My second was 20 months and then I had newborn twins. So I had three in diapers for a long time. And so <laughs> that's kind of what happened. And then, well, there's a whole other story about one of my twins, Brooks, who had uh, doing a duodenal atresia and needed surgery at birth and all of the things that happened. But um, it was at one of my uh, other ultrasounds that we found out that he had this. And that's when we also found out that we were carrying two more boys and I wasn't going to get to have my girl. And so all, <laughs> all of the things, but that's a quick glimpse, glimpse into my twin journey. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you do such a great job. I love boy moms anyway. I'm a boy mom. A boy mom, literally a boy mom. <laughs> so yeah, the fact that you fun. have four of them, I'm like, whoa. And they're all little. The greatest thing, I guess, is that they'll all be big around the same around the same time. So that might be great. I think Until the they biggest get challenges right now is, which maybe you didn't have as much of because you just had the one, but mine, like they just don't leave each other alone. They're always like wrestling, tackling. I'm like, like seriously, guys. <laughs> Yeah, having each other to play with, uh, that was one thing that I think being an only child for Caleb, he just pestered Daryl and I. Yeah. And also, since he didn't have siblings to argue with, he just argued with us. <laughs> or if There's things weren't going everything, right? Yeah, yeah. It's just like, and still to this day, he, well, he's precious. He's in college now, but he calls us all the time. But if something goes wrong, it's our fault. Like, it's certainly not his fault. He doesn't have any siblings to blame it on. (laughs) So so that's a little bit different. But yeah, I love that. I love that you share your journey with your boys and um, their little hockey playing. And they're so cute. Yeah, they've grown up to be so adorable. Yeah, they really are. You know what? Um, This year, actually, we moved them schools. So they come to my school with me this year. And it's been so, so fun. Like even with the COVID and everything and we're, how we're telling everybody stay two meters apart, I get to sneak in some hugs here and there, which is super fun with, well, with the twins, the older two are too cool for mom. So they'd rather not even acknowledge that I exist right now, but <laughs> with the twins, they're still happy. So cute. Well, they'll come back around those, the older ones and then they'll get to be 19 and they'll hug you all the time again. Oh, good. It's so cute. 
Yeah. Once Kayla moved to college and came back, all of a sudden we were much more appreciated. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. So boy, mom, oh, that's just a journey in and of itself. But, you know, earlier in, and Nick, we were talking about um, just self-care, you know, and how discovering that, I guess, is the first step, but also figuring out what works well for you and how do you know when you've reached that limit? Because I'm sure there are triggers now that you're aware of, more aware of, and you don't want to get yourself to that place where you're so sick again. So maybe you can fill us in on um, some tips and tricks. I feel like a lot of teachers right now are just feeling super drained, super overwhelmed. And um, actually, I know you wrote a blog post about that recently. And I feel that, you know, thinking about, you can talk a little bit about that if you want as well, but also thinking about some, some things we can control since those are a lot of things are out of our control right now. But I know that you have taken self-care and made it a priority in your life, even as a mom of four little guys and a wife and a teacher that's being expected to do a ridiculous amount of work. Um, how do you how do you do that? How do you make time to stay healthy? Yeah, and it's hard. It's really hard. It's really hard right now. It was hard that first year that the school was open. Um, and what I realized that first year that the school was open, so one of the biggest questions that I get is, how do you do it? Like they see me as a full-time working teacher, four young boys, and I'm still blogging somewhat regularly uh whatever they see all of these things that i am and they wonder how i do it all and what i've what i've realized is that what fills me up tends to be work related so for me to sit down and blog tends to help me process and it just makes me feel good because it's something that i enjoy but what i realized also is that when my life is so out of balance i don't enjoy those things anymore so mm -hmm. towards the end of the last school year, after uh, the three months of remote learning, I had to say, I'm not, because for a long time I was committed to blogging every Monday. And I had to say, hey, I'm not doing that anymore because it's not providing me what it normally does. It's an added stress right now instead of a stress reliever. So I find that when I'm so out of balance, then I turn toward, I need to turn to other things that aren't school related to fill me up. And that's when last year through the pandemic, I had time to start running more. After the first year um, that nearly broke me here at school, I started running and I was only committed to running for 10 minutes a day because it's all that I could have find time for. And I thought, okay, 10 minutes, I can do 10 minutes. So 10 minutes a day and my rule was not to miss two days in a row. So I only had to think ahead to tomorrow. Do, can I run tomorrow? No, I can't, so I better run today. And I broke the rule many times, but that's kind of how it started. So the second year that I was teaching here at this new school, I was running 10 minutes a day. Um, and then through the third year last year, same thing. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, I've got more time. The gyms are closing. I can't do my hot yoga anymore. Um, maybe it's time that I start running a little bit more. So then I started running a few 5Ks here and there. And I was like dying because I was running my 10k at like my 10 minute pace so i was running fast for five kilometers and uh and then all of a sudden one day i see dave burgess running a 10k and i'm like oh 
he's doing this regularly now. He's doing this on Sundays. Like I, I wonder if I could do a 10K. I'm almost dying on a 5K, but maybe I could get to a 10K and then I'd be happy. I'm a super competitive person, by the way. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you're you, my people. Yeah. <laughs> so when I saw that, I'm like, okay, maybe I can work my way up to a 10K. And I ended up getting injured through that. It threw me a little bit further back. But then once I got back, I learned, okay, well, you can't run that, that longer distance at the same pace that you're running your short distances. It doesn't work that way. So um, eventually I worked my way up and I ran a 10K and I felt amazing. I'm like, you know what? This wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Maybe I could run a half marathon. And yeah, you know, just one thing after the other. And I swore, like when I was running my 5K, I'm like, no, once I reach my 10K, I will be happy. I'll be good and I'll have hi Dave and I will be okay well no it wasn't enough once I reached my 10k so I kept training and this is only because I had time through the pandemic who has time to go for hour hour and a half long runs not a mama four on a regular normal day right <laughs> yeah so um long story short I ended up being able to train through the whole summer September was hard but I kept up somewhat with my training enough for me to be able to do my half I ran my half um, in October the 11th, I think. And on my birthday. Yes, it was on your birthday. You're right. <laughs> I was so proud of you. Yeah. Um, so I ran that faster than I thought I would have, even though it was ridiculously windy that day. And it was kind of a flood of emotions when I finished because I was like, Oh, I worked so hard for this and now it's over. And, um, yeah, it was a good accomplishment though. And so all that to say is that running has really helped with my self-care because it's just provided me space away from my boys because they don't come running with me. Um, and so I get to escape and I just get to listen to my music and process and think through things. And it was really great for my mental and physical health. And it was also not school related. So I wasn't sitting down to blog or what have you or reading professional development books or because when I'm so out of balance, like I said, I don't even feel like picking up a book or it's just too much for me. So running has really been good for me. And I think, I think that's so powerful in every way. First of all, that you ran a half marathon. I think that is, that is still on, well, actually what's on my bucket list. I looked it up while you were talking just to make sure I have a bucket list on my phone. I think you've probably seen me share it yeah. out online before but it has run a 10K. It's still on there, run a 10K. I love I've um, never run a 10K, um, but I think it's super incredible. And you ran a half marathon. I, I was just so astounded by your training, honestly, because I'd always see you post, you know, your 10 minute um, runs. And I was like, God, that's so good. She's so consistent. Like she's never, and I think that's the key too. So I guess I'm saying all kinds of things. One, the consistency was key for you. And I feel like maybe if I'm interpreting interpreting you correctly, it's just that you had to find something that would give your mind a little bit of space. And if anybody's listened to the show in the past three months, you've heard me talk about headspace and how we need space in our mind to be able to do something other than what we do all day long. We have to give space. It, it could be breathing. There's so many things you could fill that space with, but you need some head space, if you will, to not think about what you do on the daily. 
think it's just a great exercise that all of us can get involved in. Even if you don't like running, then just walking and just keep upping your distance and being able to give yourself that time and space. <clears throat> Plus, yeah. I love the competitive nature of it. I like that you mentioned that piece because I think having accountability partners out there that you see them doing something and you're, yeah. you're like, oh yeah, game on. Like I'm about, to, I'm about to do that. I think that's, and to me, the greatest thing about exercise too, is just that it helps you in so many ways. It releases endorphins. It helps, it helps make you feel accomplished. You also feel tired, so you sleep better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's just so many benefits to exercise and running. Did you find that to be true for you as yeah, well? Yeah, totally. Way, like, way more energy, like tired at night to go to sleep, but it did provide way more energy. Like I could wake up in the morning and run whatever, 18K or 19, or while I was training those really long runs, and I would still be like had energy for the rest of the day. My body was sore, but I still had energy for the rest of the day until bedtime. So, yeah, I think that's the key too. I love exercise. You know me, I, it's, and I think consistency, we talked about that just briefly, but what helped you to stay consistent? What was it that just was like, did you have an accountability partner that you had answered to? Or? No, but you know what? I, my next door neighbor actually became my unofficial coach. Maybe I should start calling him my official coach because he is um, a pretty hardcore runner. And so I, I just would bounce ideas off of him and he's the one who kind of made up my schedule, my training schedule for me to be able to work my way up to a half K. And so even just being on Strava, seeing other, like, you know, if I check my phone when I wake up in the morning or I'm, I have an Apple watch and one of my colleagues does too. And I we're connected. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, Randy just ran and I'm still laying in bed. Like I need to get my butt out of bed. Just, just little things like that. So I didn't have one person, but I had a few people that I would kind of look around to and, and uh, use that to my advantage to motivate me to keep going. I think that is amazing. I love the app idea with CrossFit. We have a account. We have an app too, where we log all of our results and we call them our whiteboard results, but that app is pretty motivating. I mean, if you get on there, I'm in the early morning class, so we end up setting the, the first set of scores. So in the later classes, when you see people just wiping out your score, you know, you're like, for real? <laughs> okay, tomorrow I'm bringing it. I, I'm totally, <laughs> but it's true. There's something about that for some of us. Totally. And I'm totally gone to the track because Strava, you can track different segments and stuff. I totally have gone to the track just to beat somebody else's PR or have run the same route in my community just to do better than somebody else. And But it's not always about that. It's often about beating my own PRs too. But I definitely have that competitive nature with myself, but with others too. It's true. I had a friend from um, my gym just the other day. I want to read this text. I don't know. She's going to kill me. It was so funny. Um, she said, I saw you killed it at the gym today with 1633 total time. And then our other friend, Marley, told me she was 1650. So my goal was to beat the pants off of both of y'all tonight. 1441 girl <laughs> like it's just like all the time because we just look at each other's scores it's friendly competition we love each other we're always cheering each other totally. on but it's true like there's something about that that just kind of gives you that extra drive especially like in the last couple of weeks i haven't been very motivated and so seeing people's scores and 
seeing them giving it so much, I'm like, okay, I at least have to get yeah. there. <laughs> Even if I don't really show up today, I at least have to get there. Were there any moments of time of running where you just felt unmotivated or were you always just waking up and like, I'm going to do this? Uh, you know what? For the most part, it was pretty easy. It got harder in September with the beginning of the school year to stay motivated and to, you know, have to wake up at 530 in the morning just to get my run in or um, but I will say, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like we, you and I are both super connected educators and we find, um, our people who will encourage us even in, in our dark days. And that's the same thing with running. In fact, when I ran my half marathon, um, my neighbor ran the full marathon and it obviously all went to virtual because nobody can do anything together anymore these days. Um, so we ran just behind our uh, backyard there is um, farmers roads and like a little loop is about seven kilometers so he was running the full marathon so ran six laps and I was doing the half so I had to run three laps and two other guys who I'm connected with on Strava and who had run a couple of times with me they weren't signed up for this virtual half but they came and ran it with me just to kind of pace me because they're, they run faster than me. So they knew what my goal was and they just ran with me the whole time just to keep me motivated. And I just thought that was so incredible. And I shouldn't be surprised because I've been experiencing this as an educator for years now. But when you find your people that kind of have the same passions as you and are cheering you on, even though they're competitive with you, it's a pretty incredible feeling. It's all about that community. I love that. I love that about the runner community. That is one thing that I've had a few people on the show talk about running. And I feel like the runner community, I feel like they're as tight as the CrossFit community. <laughs> I mean, we're pretty tight, but um, it's true. Like they just, you, like you said, you just find your tribe. And you know, when you and I connected and I'm not really trying to change topics, but I remember, I remember us being in that iMOOC together and we met a lot of lifelong friends in there. So you, me, Jen Casa Tide, that's where I met Tish. Yep. That's where I met Katie Martin. I mean, some of our Mike, closest remember friends. Mike, Mohammed, yeah. Mike, yes. Who else did we meet in there? It seems Lance, like there were Lance several McClard. people. Yes, and Nicole. Yeah. Like I hadn't right. met her, but I just her for love life, her. But... Yeah. yeah, yeah. You two together, y'all made this song. Yeah, we did. I remember. <laughs> that was so amazing. I was so impressed. And then we were all on this YouTube live, I think, with George one time. Yeah, that was the first. And y'all shared. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think that was with Nikad. I think it? that was with another colleague, but still. Yeah. Oh, it was so fun and so cute. Um, I do remember, but just thinking back to those connections, like you said, it's not, it wasn't surprising to you, but it does kind of surprise you when you meet people and you're like, how can I possibly be fast friends with these people? Mm -hmm. When there's other people, like I feel like I've worked with for a long amount of time, I still don't have quite those levels of trust or that level of connection, if you will. But some of these people that I've met that live like miles and miles away, yeah. I feel like they're my closest friends, my allies, my ride or dies, you yeah. know, it's very interesting how that works totally and I'm so so unbelievably fortunate to have that same kind of feeling here at school like I really have the world's best colleagues so I just consider myself super blessed and 
I guess you, you, you had touched on my blog post that came out recently. And I think that that is really that if I haven't, if this blog post hasn't been written by the time you publish this podcast, um, hopefully it's to come. But my, my worry with the blog post that I just published, it was called Will We Though? And it's basically about how hard our reality is as educators right now and how I'm worried because something that we keep telling ourselves as educators is that we're going to come out of this stronger. And so the title was, will we though, because I'm questioning if we actually are going to come out of this stronger. I'm really worried that some people won't come out of this at all. And the people that do come out of it, I don't necessarily know that the word stronger is what we're going to be. I know that we're learning a whole lot through this, but I'm very worried, especially because I've already experienced something super challenging the first year that the school is open. And that was just our school that was experiencing it. Now it's like everybody across the world, the world. is going through this and it's yeah. really taking a toll. So I think that what is one of the things that's really helping me get through these hard times is first and foremost, my students, because I, and I'm not saying this just as a cliche, but I really do love them and I love being their teacher. So just to see, we are getting to do in class, in, in school, so we're not remote. So just getting to see them every single day makes me so happy. So that is getting me through it. And my colleagues are getting me through it because I've got this amazing group of colleagues. And I don't know that many people are lucky enough to have that in their buildings, but I just want to remind you that if you don't have it in your building, it, like the community of runners that I'm part of, the, the CrossFit community that you're part of, or the educator community that we're part of online, it's just as powerful. And I feel like it's, it is cliche to say we're in this together, but we really are. Like we have to lean on each other through these hard times to get through it because otherwise we might not, sadly. Yeah, I think that's a valid point. And that blog post, I mean, it, your posts typically touch me in a very real way, but that one, like I had tears. I mean, that's serious. And I think it's something that we don't talk enough about. And I feel, I felt almost guilty because when I'm on these Facebook lives, I'm like, you know, we're going to come out stronger. We're going to make it, you know, but I'm also not in it really. I'm not in the classroom right now. I can't even speak to that. And I've said that a bunch of times in those lives, but I also have to, I was reminded that I can't just keep saying that we are going to come out stronger while I've gone through some pretty intense, crazy things in my life. And I do feel like I came out stronger um, or I came out changed. Um, I, I think there's a lot of people that go through the same thing or something similar and they didn't come out stronger. And so sadly, <laughs> this doesn't even really relate, honestly, but the only thing I can connect it to was my childhood of being super abusive and I think about all the children who grow up like that and don't come out stronger. And I started, I started paralleling what you were talking about in the blog. And I know this is really dramatic, but it's, but it's really not because what's being asked of our educators right now is, is hard. It's it, it mostly impossible, you know? And to think that we're all just gonna come out and we're just going to be overcomers and we're going to learn from this and we're just going to move forward. 
Um, I think it's unrealistic, honestly. And so I appreciate you writing that post because I think it's, it's a message that we kind of need to at least consider, mm -hmm. um, especially if we're not in the classroom right now and we're saying these kinds of things because that's, it is something to be considered. And I, I love that you talked about, you know, relying on the community. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, great, it's over for me. Like, I'm not going to come out stronger. That's not necessarily true. I think connecting to a PLN, having some people, some voices that you can read, like even just reading a Nick's post and knowing there's other people out there that are feeling the same way. It's not like misery loves company, but in a way, like it's just nice to know that other people are dealing with something similar. And yes, yes. And you feel like, okay, they're dealing with it too. I'm dealing with it you know, maybe together we can help each other. And I think that's what these communities are all about. Um, just bringing each other together, like those friends that came and ran with mm -hmm. you. Like, I'm going to help set the pace for you. This is going to be hard, but you're going to get through it. But I want you to not only get through it, I want you to like mm -hmm. thrive. I want you to make your time. I want you to make a good time or whatever. And I think that's what these communities are all about. Even in the education world, just about, you can get through it, sure, by yourself. And if you have a great calling set like you do, that's fantastic. But why not have these other people on your side cheering you on, pushing you through, and encouraging you? I think, I think that's just something we all need totally. in life. Totally. <laughs> I think definitely. I think that um, the only thing that is making me hesitant about what you said is when I was running my half and I had those encouragers pushing me to thrive and do better than I thought I could, that that's awesome. And I was very thankful in a, as a runner's perspective right now, as a teacher's perspective, I would encourage teachers not to worry about thriving right now. Good enough oh, good is point. enough. And that's what I'm trying to tell myself because as much as I'm finding that I'm not getting to teach the way that I want to teach. I'm not getting to do best practice that I know because of all these limitations like social dis physical distancing and all the regulations with masks and all that. I know all of that. So I know that I'm not doing as good as I could, but that's okay. I'm doing the best that I can. And I have to keep reminding myself day to day, my students are happy. Their parents are telling me, some of them are saying it's the, their favorite year of school so far. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, imagine if I got to teach you during a normal time and I got to do all these things that I wish we could do together. But the kids are happy. At least most of them seem happy. And I need to focus on that, that even though I'm not doing as good as I think I could be doing, good enough is enough. I think that's a very valid point. And and I also love that you brought out what the kids perspective, because I feel like the kids perspective is always, it's always the simple things that they love so much. And like, we know, even as parents, you know, we could do this a little bit better. We could have done this a little bit better. The things they remember, it's always the, the simple things. And I, so I think getting back to the simplicity of teaching and learning and whatever that looks like, sounds like, feels like in our current situation has to be, like you said, it has to be enough because one, we can't get to the place where you were at the beginning when you talked about, you know, starting that school up for the first time. We can't let ourselves get to that place and keep trying to recreate something that 
I mean, that's a different story, but we can't try to recreate what we used to do in a normal setting with this new setting. It's just impossible. Yeah, I was really thinking about thriving on the end of sports yeah. <laughs> on, on the wrong, wrong subject. But when it comes to teaching, I do think that's a very valid point. We have to be grateful that we are getting to serve our students in some capacity. And also remember that what they see is sometimes different than what we see. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool, but oh, this is so, so fun. I think we can go on forever, but I don't want to make this very long. <laughs> so um, those are some great journeys too, Inik. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, if people want to connect with you, if they want to learn more about you, read your blog post, you should, if you're not already connected, you need to at least get on and follow her website and follow her content. It's beautiful. It's raw, it's authentic, it's all the things that I love. And I appreciate that because I feel like a lot of times we put out stuff that um, maybe a little too polished in some ways. <laughs> and so I always appreciate that yours is well written, but yeah, just real, it's real. And it fits this podcast beautifully. So if they wanna connect with you, Nick, how can they connect with you on social media, on your website? We'll put those things in the show notes, but for anyone who's just listening. Well, thanks for all those kind words, Tara. Oh, melt my heart. Uh, they can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Anik Roke. And it's the same on Instagram, but if you follow me on Instagram, I don't really do a lot of edu stuff there. It's mostly just my family uh, and my is also my name, anikroke.ca. That's C-A. That's so I'm cool. in Canada and I chose .ca. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. So thank you so much for joining our show today. I feel like we learned so much from you. Not just, um, there were just so many things. I kind of want to recap real quick, but a lot about self-care reminding us that we can give a whole lot, but if we give everything, then we're not going to be here to give much longer, which is really important for educators, especially at this time of the year. And then also reminding us the value of community and the value of friends and how if we just keep pushing forward, doing the best that we can possibly do and knowing that at this point in time for the education world, enough has to be enough. I think I think those are the key points that I'm taking away from our chat today. A lot of awesome stuff, but those are the pieces that I'm hoping if you're listening and you're feeling a little overwhelmed, hope you will pick up a habit or a hobby that will help get your mind off of education a little bit, because I think that was a very valuable piece of this conversation as well. But also, I hope that you will remember that things just aren't going to look the same this year. And... Yeah, I know you want to thrive and I know you want to do what you've always done, but we have to just be okay with enough is enough. And if Nick's testimony of her students just saying this is their best year ever, does it encourage you that I don't know what will, but I think a lot of students are probably feeling, feeling something similar. Maybe not all of them, um, but I bet there's a lot more out there than we imagine that are like appreciating what their teachers are doing for them this year. Totally. So thanks again for joining the Real Journey show. Remember next week, same place, same time. Thank you so much for joining the Real Journey show. We are excited you tuned in today and hope that you have left feeling inspired and empowered to stay real and share your real journey with others. 
Remember, real, it's all about being relatable, exposing a little vulnerability, approachable, and learning through life. You can connect with me on Twitter at TaraMartinEDU or visit my website, TaraMMartin.com. Please use the hashtag RealJourneyShow to share your thoughts of today's episode. Tune in next week, The Real Journey Show.